What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. No, it's not. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Malicious Compliance. Appreciate all the advice I got on yesterday's video about the uh, the vibrations coming from the air conditioner through this wall to this microphone arm down here. And uh, I've put a couple isolators in here to try to, you know, combat that transferring up through into the microphone it doesn't matter how thick of a cushioning i put in there it still comes through the mic arm it's cheap mic arm for one uh, and two just putting a microphone mount on a wall with an air conditioner on a plaster wall no less was just a bad idea but it did help dampen it some but i'm still going to turn it off as long as i can stand it and not uh sweat all over my keyboard and microphone so all right let's do some malicious compliance you sure it's mine Fine, I'll keep it. This happened in 2014. I had just lost my job and was in the process of looking for a new one, but didn't have much money saved to pay bills in the meantime. So I asked my father if I could borrow $1,200 just to get me through the next month, and I would pay him back as soon as I started working again. He sent the money, I paid my bills, and got a new job shortly after. As soon as I had the money to pay him back, I used my bank's online bill pay option to send him a check. I sent him a text and told him it was on the way and just assumed that that was the end of it. Well, a week went by and he hadn't gotten it. I thought maybe it took a few days for the bank to actually process the bill pay option because I hadn't used it before. So I asked him to just wait a few more days and see if it came. Several days later, it still hadn't gotten there. So I called the bank and asked them and they told me I could stop payment on it for free. So I did. Then I just wrote a personal check and mailed it. I just assumed something went wrong with the online bill pay. About two months later, I got a check in the mail from a medical facility in the state my father lives in for $1,200. I called and asked them about it and they told me on a recorded line that it was an overpayment to an account my father had with them and it was a legitimate check and was mine to keep. At that point I didn't associate it with the bill pay thing I had tried to do a couple months before. I did call my father to ask about his accounts with this place because there was no reason they should have my address to be sending me an overpayment if he had actually made one. He had no idea what was going on because he hadn't used that facility in a few years. I looked up the place on Google and finally it dawned on me what happened. My father's address was on Saddlewood Drive at that point in time, but when I typed it into bill pay, my phone autocorrected it to Sandalwood. Wait. Oh, Saddlewood Sandalwood. Got it. And it just happened to be the same numerical address. And because my father's name was listed as the payee, they erroneously attempted to apply it to his account. So that's where my check had gone. I tried to call them again to explain what happened, and the lady on the phone was extremely rude to me. She told me, I've already talked to you about this. I don't know why you're calling again. We sent you what we owed you. This account is settled and we will not be talking about it again. Again, this is a recorded line. I asked if she was sure they owed me this money. She practically shouted at me, yes, and I just smiled and hung up the phone. I deposited the check into my bank that day. They didn't try to call me back until about six weeks later. I had been wondering about how long that would take. The person who called me was a different lady and she called to tell me that a mistake had been made and that I owed them $1,200. I told her she was misinformed and that she should go back and listen to the recorded calls that I had made to their office and gave her the dates. I had been reassured multiple times that the money was mine and that I was in the clear to cash that check, and then I hung up. I haven't heard a single thing about it since then. I'm pretty sure at one point in time, this is pretty much every adult's fantasy that they'll get some sort of overpayment that, you know, for somebody else's mistake, we'll get to make a few hundred bucks. Unfortunately, and I don't know what state you're in, OP, and I'm not sure it really matters, but... Uh, this was a while ago, but still, it's not legal to keep the money. They may not have pursued you for it because in their eyes, maybe the 1200 bucks just wasn't worth chasing. It would have cost them more in the long run. But uh, ultimately, 
you do owe them the money back. Even though that lady on the recorded line made the mistake of forcing it on you, basically, and being rude and nasty and whatever. Don't try that with the bank these days, let me tell you. You try to keep that money that they mistakenly put into your account or mistakenly uh, sent you a check for, anything like that. Uh, somebody's coming after you for that money. <laughs> Guaranteed. You're upset on the top performer? Well, then you get yourself a bare minimum employee. For background, my jobs have always been geared towards data entry, as that's what I'm best at. I've always typed over 120 plus words per minute and love finding new keyboard shortcuts to save me time and just be more efficient overall. Not a brag, trust me. Because of this skill, I've always excelled in prior roles that utilized it. That is, until my current career. I've been with this company for almost three months now. As with a lot of data entry jobs, this one has weekly productivity that you must meet. By week two, I was meeting productivity once I grasped the role. This fueled me to try and get even faster. I learned the programs I was to be using and used simple keyboard shortcuts to toggle between programs, close them, use Excel formulas to concatenate, okay, and V look up repetitive information that others usually type out every time, etc. You get the idea. If there's a way to save time, I'll find it. We get the team productivity email yesterday and I see that I tripled what is expected of a single employee in the entire week. My numbers skyrocketed to levels that haven't been reached before. Now here's the really fun part. Rather than getting any sort of praise, this company's felt anti-praise since I started, or being asked how I did it, I get an email from management stating my numbers are concerning and that they're essentially opening up an investigation to see if I cheated somehow. I even received a screenshot of others' numbers in one specific area with management stating it's impossible to have that much of a lead over those who've been here for years. My numbers were in the 800s while the second highest was 300 in the week. Today my boss calls me and says she's been spending the day checking my work and so far everything's been accurate. Mind you, this investigation didn't start with her. She was just asked to check my work and was reporting what she found. But it's all accurate. She says I can continue with what I'm doing since she found no problems. Now, I learned quickly that this isn't the type of place to be praised. There's zero incentive for anyone to go above and beyond if it's just going to be questioned. Now, to clarify, I fully understand that if something seems off, a company's going to want to check and ensure I'm understanding the work and entering it properly, especially with a new employee. But to email me stating it's concerning and impossible prior to even checking my work is where I had the issue. I shouldn't have even needed to be told it had to be looked into. They were told my numbers were accurate, and there's also been radio silence since. No apology, no praise, no, how did you do it? In hopes that I can show the rest of my team so we can get caught up one day. So, with what little knowledge of Excel I had, I made a spreadsheet that tallies my accounts as I go so I can pace myself, and I'm now alerted as soon as I meet that goal so I can stop working without going over. I did add just a tiny bit more wiggle room to my spreadsheets as to not accidentally go under productivity to where they would have reason to use corrective action, but just ever so slightly above the bare minimum. If they're going to treat me like a bare minimum employee, they're going to get a bare minimum employee. Minimum employee. I'm always torn on this. You know, I'm the type of guy, I'm not necessarily fast, but I like to go above and beyond. Yours is speed related and you can go above and beyond by getting more production done in a shorter amount of time than most of the other employees. Maybe some of them can too, and they're just not even trying. I can't blame them for that. But I've always been one to try to find more efficient ways to do something, a safer way to do something, a more solid, longer lasting way to do something. You know, when I was working in a retail store part-time nights building bikes for this, the blue place, we'll just say the blue place. Anyway, management would always question me why the bike rack wasn't full. Well, because I'm actually building the bikes according to a, common sense, B, the way the manual of that corporation says to do it, and C, it, 
I don't know. I always do the letters and it never works out. Anyway, and then on top of that, they're calling me to fill in at the Tire and Lube Center register, at the paint counter, in the garden center, pushing carts, doing some kind of maintenance because the maintenance guy didn't get to something that day. Um, so, you know, and I, I love doing those things because I like jumping around and doing varied jobs and, you know, doing a good job and helping people out. I even fixed a cardboard compactor one day and technically you're supposed to be licensed for that. And, uh, the store could have gotten real trouble for that. I would have got fired, but they would have got some fines, but I don't know. Nobody appreciates anybody going above and beyond for anything. So, eh, screw them. Don't want to hear from me? Okie dokie. For context, I'm a supervisor in a psychiatric group home. My clients are primarily older men in their 60s and 70s with complex physical and mental health conditions. The situation was a late 70s client who had recently had a significant medical emergency. Man, I can't talk today. Who had recently had a significant medical emergency with cardiology follow-up. This client needs support with his medical team because instead of answering questions, he talks about his psychosis or delusions. Super helpful for his psychiatric team, not so much for his cardiologist. I was supporting him with a telephone consult with his new doctor over speakerphone and had already explained the release of information and consent and my client volunteered that I would answer most things because he doesn't like radios and phones and then told the doctor about his delusions for almost five minutes before I could redirect. Once we got back on topic, the doctor asked for a medical history and my client told the doctor I would answer because he didn't know his history anymore. I started going through it with him and the current and recent meds and the doctor interrupted and told me to be quiet. He didn't need my help. So I complied with great malice and I was completely quiet for the next 20 minutes. The doctor was particularly begging me to intervene while my client explained his medical history in his way. Example, instead of, I had treatment for lymphoma, he spoke about poisonous gases released into the atmosphere because he was being punished for various sexual transgressions with famous people, described in great detail. Oh dear. After the appointment, I received an email from the doctor apologizing for his behavior and asking me to send his medication administration records, and if I could please briefly recap the history that he missed. <laughs> so I get it. I've worked with people like this, not not to that degree. Uh, usually the people I dealt with were teenagers and their psychoses weren't quite that elaborate yet. They haven't had time to really hone their skills. Anyway, but, you know, sometimes people like this who are in a particular mental state, not even a state, maybe it's just they're permanent, uh, but they need some sort of an interpreter, a go-between between doctors psychiatrists, well, psychiatrists could probably figure it out, but anyway, somebody that's helpful, that's kind of knows the ropes, knows the history to fill in the gaps. And, uh, when people like this get arrogant and tell you to just be quiet, I don't need your help. Blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. You get what you asked for. Accounting wants pictures of itemized receipts to verify expenses. I got you fam. At my old job, I was there for roughly 14 years. We transitioned through the times as technology progressed. Started off having to turn in the original receipts with expense reports. Then we could scan them into a PDF and email them in. And towards the end of my time there, they used an app that categorized everything. It made a spreadsheet slash CSV file that accounting could use to copy and paste the data. And the app put the receipt pictures into a PDF file and numbered them for easy access. Note, you could make the receipt quarter page so the small receipts, gas, food, etc. wouldn't be blown up to a full page and hotel and rental car receipts could be selected as full page so they could easily be read. This worked real well. That was until Betty, the accountant, complained to our supervisor and said we need to show itemized receipts to verify that our department wasn't exceeding the meal expense guidelines. They allowed, I think it was roughly $55 a day for meals when traveling. 
$10 breakfast, $20 lunch, and $25 dinner. And if you had dinner, they would allow up to two alcoholic beverages. Some employees would buy more and not submit the itemized receipt to try to get around that. Some would eat breakfast at the hotel for free, then eat a cheap lunch and pile on the food and drinks at dinner. Accounting hated that. The region I worked in was typically rural areas, a lot of gas station meals, mom-and-pop diners, and all-you-can-eat buffets. Some gave handwritten receipts. Some only gave the credit card receipt with the total. After explaining this to Betty, she insisted that I request an itemized receipt or I wouldn't get reimbursed. I asked some restaurants to help me out and scribbled something on a receipt pad while others said, sorry, this is all we have. So after I had a week of denied expenses, I decided that next time a restaurant didn't give me an itemized receipt, I would take a picture of my food, multiple pictures of each plate at a buffet, along with pics of dessert, pizza, Chinese food, Waffle House, you name it. I sent pictures of it. Along with the plain receipt, I selected a full page for each plate photo. <laughs> I made sure to only eat at places that I knew didn't offer itemized receipts that week, then sent my expenses in the following week and waited. I got a call from my supervisor laughing and he said, I appreciate your effort and I understand your gripe, but please don't send in your expense report with 20 plus pictures of what you ate. <laughs> I've talked with accounting and they now agree that if an itemized receipt isn't available, a normal receipt is okay. No more food pictures, okay? As he was laughing. Oh, and they're going to reimburse you for the last week that was denied. I proved my point and got them to back off a ridiculous rule. That is ridiculous. I worked for a company once that would do per diems when we were on the road. Some, some jobs, they would do straight up per diem. They hand you the cash every day at the beginning of the day. Rarely, but sometimes they would hand you your per diem for the week at the beginning of the week. And then it was up to you. If you ran out of money, that's on you. Uh, and then there was other jobs where you had to get reimbursed for anything by handing in receipts. And uh, they got the same way. They got all kind of persnickety. Well, we didn't have computers on our job sites or in our job trailers. Uh, we did have a fax machine and phones damn sure couldn't scan documents very well or even take pictures very well back then as, you know, flip phones. So when they started asking for all this stuff similar to this company, what were we going to do? So we would go into a copy place and we would go ahead and copy all of our receipts. We had a handwritten log. We would copy that. We would fax all of it. Of course, that cost me like 20 bucks to like fax over page after page of receipts. And uh, so they would always get the receipt for the fax copies too. And they damn sure didn't like that. So most jobs after that, almost every job after that that I can remember, went back to just handing me per diem every morning. And if I was a supervisor, I had all the money already in a truck safe. So I would just hand out cash daily to other people, but same deal. And they just signed off that they got their per diem and all was good with the world. I need to do community service to avoid jail. Or do I? I'm not sure if this is a case of malicious compliance or malicious incompliance, but I did oblige with the law. I was in a financial rut a few years ago and was unable to pay a $200 ticket. After a couple of missed deadlines, the amount increased to $500. In my state, you can elect to do community service or spend some time in jail if you're unable to pay. For me personally, it would have been better for me to be in a low security jail as I was about to become homeless in a few days. I didn't choose to do community service and was sent to jail instead for three weeks. Now, the prosecutors in the courts didn't know about my personal situation, did they? I was off the streets for three more weeks than what I would have been. Added bonus, I don't have a criminal record, nor am I bankrupt. Win. Added bonus, I was single and didn't have any loans. Win. Added bonus, I don't have to do any unpaid work in prison since I wasn't criminally convicted. Win. Added bonus, I was assigned with a low-risk cellmate. Win. Added bonus, I didn't lose my job by going to jail since I didn't have one beforehand. Win. 
Added bonus, I quit my marijuana addiction in jail. Win! Added bonus, I didn't have to pay any lease break fees to my landlord since my agreement was cash only and off the books, and I was going to get kicked out in a few days anyway. Win. And the cherry on top, I got out of jail without any record or debt and was able to relocate and find a decent gig. Your mileage may vary depending on your circumstances, jurisdiction or state, and cellmates. The lack of freedom will eventually get to you if you stay there for an extended time. It is a negative for the vast majority of people. Fallout. On the surface, it may look like I just took a detour through the penal system. There's an underlying fallout the courts might not have anticipated. Firstly, the system's design to deter and punish was flipped on its head for someone in my shoes. Instead of feeling punished, I found solace. Economically, the state likely spent more keeping me behind bars than the worth of my original ticket. And stories like this paint a rather ironic picture of the legal system, where instead of being in a place of punishment, jail becomes a temporary shelter from life's hardships. But hey, I guess one man's penalty can be another's unexpected lifeline. So, never been to jail, never been to prison, never been arrested, no record. Anyway, but I can see what OP's talking about. Actually locking you up for a debt, I don't, in most states I don't think that's even legal. There, there is no debtor's prison, so to speak. But there's also a fine line between locking you up for a debt that you owe or one that you avoid paying over years. It doesn't sound like you were avoiding any payments or anything like that. And I believe jail can be a lifeline for some people. You know, if you're in dire straits like you were, where, you know, you're going to be on the street anyway, you got no job, you got no family, whatever. Okay. Do I have cash or do I have time? Well, I got time. I don't have so much cash. Okay. Let's go to jail for three weeks. And you got put in with a low risk cellmate. So that made life a lot more bearable. There's also other people and... You know, there's several reasons people go to jail. Your reason. Then you have people who just can't seem to stay out of jail because they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. You get the idea. And then there are other people who are just born to be institutionalized. What you call it the military, jail, some people who stay in school their whole life. Like they keep going for degree after degree after degree. They want somebody, they need somebody to tell them what to do, when to do it, when to turn it in, yada, yada, yada. And I've known people that were in the military for a while. They couldn't ride out till full retirement for whatever reason. They've, they've reached the cap in their position and they just didn't have a way to, you know, increase in rank or whatever. Um, and when they got out, they were just, they were just beside themselves. They couldn't, they, they couldn't function without somebody telling them what to do. And a lot of times they end up in jail from some other reason. And then they figure out, you know what? And I don't think it's a conscious thought I, I, at all. Don't get me wrong. I think there's some kind of unconscious thing where they get into jail and they're like, hmm, not too bad. My meals are supplied. Somebody's telling me what to do all times of the day, you know, when to sleep, when to eat, when to shower. And uh, some people need that guidance. It's not, it doesn't make them bad people. It just means they really can't function well. And then other people who just can't decide, they're still not bad people either. Most of them, uh, they just can't get their head out of their ass, so... Anyway, that's my twisted view on things sometimes. Uh, take it for what it's worth. I'm not saying I'm right, not saying I'm wrong. Just a different way to look at things. All right, guys. Till the next one. We'll see you.